Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello everybody, welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as the Angsty Teen. I'm Amanda. I was in such a rush to get these albums done, I could not think of a good name. I hate you so much. I hate you so much. Oh my god, that's Evan, the frustrating person in bane of my existence. Um, This is the podcast where we take albums off the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of definitive albums, and we break them down, give you the, the history behind it, how it came about, and how it charted, how it was received, what it did for music, blah, 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 blah. Evan, before we get started in, in one album that I'm sure you're absolutely going to love, do you have any corrections from last week? Last week was Thriller. Do you have any corrections? Not that I can think of. Yeah, do you? I, I, no, I don't either, but we were also recording this pretty close to when we recorded Thriller. Thriller at this moment in time, Thriller is not out yet, so I'm sure we'll get somebody to tell us we did something wrong. Probably. Probably. Any grievances? No, but I'm sure you have one now. I do now because you used Rush as this name. God damn it. I hate Rush so much. Well, how about the other grievance from the, the setup to this episode? Oh, what was the setup to this episode? Oh, just taking a lot of time. So now I can't watch the finale of Game of Thrones. No, trying to figure out what our schedule was for recording. Uh, yeah, we. so we, we're trying to plan ahead and trying to you know make sure like we're both represented equally and not so much on these longer episodes because we're pulling from a certain list um now for the month of november we did kind of rearrange things and and i picked two that i wanted to do and evan picked two that he wanted to do just to kind of make sure that because we we took a break kind of from the, the randomizing in october when we did all the spooky stuff and then we um we decided okay well like Evan gets to pick two, I get to pick two to kind of do something we wanted, um, reviews days aside, um, and then, you know, we're gonna kind of switch things up in December. We, we sat down, we really did a lot of work, and I was proud of us. Took a while. A lot of miscommunication, because I know how your brain works. You have yet to learn how my brain works. I don't know how my brain works. I can't even try and figure out yours yet. But... It was so frustrating because I was I was legitimately almost in tears because I felt like I wasted a bunch of time because you couldn't communicate with me and I couldn't understand you and I was to a point where I wanted to quit. Marriage for the win. <laughs> Marriage for the win. So, um, yeah, anyway, but no, my grievance is that you picked Rush. You know I don't like Rush. Nothing wrong, nothing against Getty Lee or the rest of the members in Rush that I don't know their names up offhand. Nothing personal. I just don't like them. And you had to bring it up because this week we're doing Avril Lavigne and she's Canadian and they're Canadian and I hate you so much. End of rant. I'm going to do a Rush album for reviews days at some point. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, I don't like that. <sighs> Let's get started. This week we're doing Avril Lavigne's iconic Let Go. It was released on June 4th, 2002, and is number 162 on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. So last week at the end of Thriller, when I announced we were doing Avril Lavigne, your face, it just, it looked like it was in pain and you were full of sadness and hurt. But I, so I, I knew you weren't going to like this one, so I'm hoping... You did listen to it, and the the way we do these is you don't, you do very minimal research. You don't go in depth like I do, and I don't even go in depth like some people would. Like, there are some... There's some people out there that are just some people. (laughs) You know who you are, some people. I don't have the time to, or the the research team to really do a lot. So, you know, I'm, I'm at the mercy of what I can immediately get my hands on in the time that allows but we still we still pull out put out decent episodes decent length episodes i'm hoping that you kind of appreciate the album a little more once i give you this history okay so avril lavigne she okay like i said this is ranked 162 
it was it wasn't high on the list obviously there's only 200 albums on it but it's it's very important and i think it did a lot for music and i know you know of her i know you've you've listened to some of her stuff aside from lego you you've listened to some of her stuff you know who she is you know what she's about i'm more familiar with some of the later albums in terms of I know they exist and I've listened to that listened through them more recently than I had this. Right. But I couldn't tell you anything off of them. Right. So at just seventeen years old, Let Go was Levine's debut album and her pop punk style was very much needed at the time. Avril appeared on the scene during the Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera era of overtly sexual pop hits that dominated everything. Her songs had catchy and poppy lyrics without being sexualized and played it safe while also being somewhat risque at the same time. Cliff Fabri, I don't know if it's Fabri or Fabri. Fabri sounds better. Fabri's? <laughs> yeah. Avril's manager at the time likened her to Cheryl Crow meets Fiona Apple. Avril came from a small town bringing, upbringing in Canada in a similar fashion to Crow, yet she had a lot of independence and attitude, which was more like Apple. And I never listened to Apple. I know there, there's that one album that's like 50, ti- 50 words for the title. I don't, I don't know. I, I know the one that had Criminal on it. And um, that's my favorite album of hers. I don't know much of her stuff. Other than she did a, a cover of Sally's song from Nightmare Before Christmas. And I cannot get my hands on it on Apple Music. And that makes me really sad. I think that was, didn't they do like two different things for... Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. I think Manson did This Is Halloween on the original. Yeah. Or did and it on one version. Panic did it on the other. And I, Flyleaf did Sally's song. and, and Yeah, and it. like She Wants Revenge. There, there's a couple. I'll find it for you. Yeah. Um, so that's how she was marketed to like these people. It's Cheryl Crow meets Fiona Apple. She was your, your hometown girl with a bit of an edge. And the album as a whole, was a bit a bit of a nods towards the angry female singers of the 1990s, like No Doubt or Alanis Morissette, but it wasn't the artistic direction that Avril wanted to go. Being her first album, she wasn't entirely sure what kind of music, music she wanted to make, but she wanted to be punk in the same vein as Blink-182, Green Day, Goo Goo Dolls, System of a Down, or Matchbox 20, all acts that she looked up to. Those were... You wouldn't necessarily think... Matchbox 20, Matchbox 20 or System and Down or Punk. But th- those were, that's her words. She wanted to be like them. Speaking of, real quick, and I know it's off of a tangent. There was something recently, I guess there's going to be an announcement of some kind for System of a Down in the next year. Or in the next couple of months. It's possible that there's new material, new touring, all that. I just happened to see that the other day. Great. Thanks. Try to keep it with current events. However, the record company's plan was to mold her into the next Faith Hill or Shania Twain that were closer to her original direction. So she worked with a team that helped her write and create her look. Later on, she would note that this wasn't the kind of music she wanted to be known for. Avril Lavigne, she at 14, entered a radio contest to sing on stage with Shania Twain and she fucking won. And she told Shania, I want to be a famous singer. So she had her roots, her family, small town, church. She sang at church, so it was gospel, and she had country in her roots. I think Katy Perry did at one point. Yep, Katy Perry's dad is a preacher. Um, So she, that was kind of where her upbringing was. And when, um, so she, when she, um auditioned for L.A. Reid, he wanted to market her as the next Faith Hill and wanted kind of uh, another Britney, another Christina, because that's what was selling. Yeah. And Avril, very early on, that young, was like, fuck no, this is what I want. This is what I'm doing. She stuck to her guns. And after this, this album was so huge for all the right reasons, and we'll go into that a little more here in a bit, but she didn't want to be known for that. She didn't want to be like pigeonholed into this specifically. She she wanted to make different music, and and she has. 
she's grown, she's changed. I think so. She's worked with Travis um, Barker. Yes, and they released an album, and it has more of a Christian music feel, I think, to it. And it's very, very interesting from what I read. But she didn't want to be. This was very early on in her career, and she knew it wasn't what she wanted to do. But it's a thing that launched her into stardom. Speaking of, kind of, I believe on the newest album, she's worked with Mark Hoppus. Mm-hmm. She did. Um, Avril's biggest hit from the album was Complicated, and it was the perfect song for teens at the time. It perfectly described the state of mind of most teenagers. It contained a lot of confusion and anger, naivete, paranoia, lust, and desperation. It was the perfect summation of being a teen in that begging for a simple explanation is immature and childlike, yet understanding that there is no simple explanation shows the maturing nature. Let Go gave teenagers an outlet for their grievances and angst. In a way, she gave listeners who weren't interested in the pop princesses like Britney and Christina or who, or who weren't interested in the hard stuff like Eminem a place to get their feelings out, a place where they felt seen and heard at a time in their life that is frustrating. You're just looking down on your phone. Are you even listening? Yes. I was trying to find your Fiona Apple thing. Oh. It was on a uh, title for a criminal. Title, yes. Avril's style was a lot more relatable to the average teenage girl than either Britney or Christina at the time. She looked and acted like your typical girl next door who maybe broke the rules once in a while. And that was her plan. She hated the artists that used sex to sell their stuff, noting, quote, It's not real, and I'd never be able to sit in my room and listen to that kind of stuff. I have moms come up to me all the time and say, thank you for wearing clothes, end quote. It was one of the reasons that I personally liked her. She had a sense of conservatism conservatism within her rebellion. Well, that might have something to do with the upbringing, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it, it was a sanitized version of teenage angst that might look familiar to suburban parents. Dark clothes and heavy eyeliner and an irreverent attitude not far removed from the goth or grunge. So, Avril was at an age where her like her parents age were in the goth and grunge movement yeah so it's they un, they kind of understood it was the bridge between the two they understood where she was coming from and they could see like a lot of these parents could see themselves in avril you said she was she how was old when this one came 17. out 17 okay so that was 2002 we said 2002 Okay, so yeah, mid mid to late nineties. So like the, gone the into oldest teenage years. cusp of the the goth and grunge people. But like you were, you might have hit like the tail end of like Soundgarden, and you might got. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly the time frame, but like a typo negative. Yeah, so she was. A lot of parents could see themselves in her in her music. They made it okay. They they were okay with their kids liking the style because it was. Rebellion. It was rebellion with a condom. You know, it was sa- practicing safe rebellion. Okay. <laughs> she was also the perfect person for teenage girls to look up to in terms of body image. Avril didn't want to be sexualized. She just wanted to rock and wore baggy clothes because she could. In the early two thousands, fashion fashion was fucked up for women. What is going on with your face? I don't know if you're going to mention it. Billie Eilish? Yes. Kind of thing? Yeah. Um, well, I talk about Billie Eilish, yes, but Billie is the same thing. But let me finish my note and I'll come back to that. Um, so fashion in the early 2000s was fucked up for women. Popular styles included tops that were too short and jeans that started at the ass crack. Celebrities had the confidence and money and bodies to make this look effortless. Normal girls like me and so many others didn't dress like this and found it insanely difficult to deal with the pressure to look like Britney and Christina. There was no pressure with Avril, and she had a style that you could buy at your local mall. The baggy clothes, the skater skater shoes, wearing your dad's necktie. It was, it was punk. It was stylish. 
and it was accessible. When malls were still a thing. When malls were still a thing. So we're at a time in the early 2000s when, and it's, it's not just that time. It is st- still now, and it's, it's always been for teenage girls, the, the peer pressure, and, and you have Brittany, Christina, Jessica, Mandy Moore, you're Jessica Simpson and Mandy Moore, who the last two weren't as big, but they were there. All four of them blonde. All four of them have big tits. All four of them have no waist. They're out there with the flattest stomach, tiny as fuck. And you have people like me who are not that, but who are pressured to be that. That's, You're still tiny. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm compact now. But, you know, it's it's hard to see that and it it like i said it's still hard and i think about my nieces it is still hard because you see that in the media you see that you know you're everywhere the the peer pressure to look like that to dress like that and you think that's what the guys want you think that's what you need to do and that that fucks you up that really fucks you up and um so to see somebody like avril who is gorgeous She's beautiful. But to come out and at 17 years old say, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm wearing clothes. I'm covering up. And I'm going to sell my music because it's my music. She was relatable. And that is what drew a lot of people to her. She was your breath of fresh air. I still like a lot of Britney and Christina. But this is also the time where um, I'm a Slave for You, Brittany, was huge. So when she's on stage and she's wearing, like, the skimpiest outfit and the, the snake when she's got the snake oh, okay. around her neck. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, and Christina's dirty, you know, where she's wearing the bikini top and the chaps and, and she's fucking gross. And you don't know these things. I know these things. I love those two songs. But to see that image and to just think of it and, and internally think i'm never going to look like that this is the media is telling me what beautiful is i am not beautiful that really fucks with a person's mind and avril like came in and and said i'm not doing that and that's that's wonderful um so my last note here critics would pick avril apart for not really being punk avril's response to this she did not care. She didn't claim to be completely punk, even adding that she may look punk on the outside, but it was a hopeless romantic on the inside, which is something I've said about myself. I mean, not specifically those two things. I would say she's a bag of meat and bones, but... All right. But I love emo music. Yeah. I'm not emo on the outside. You can be multiple things. Um, she didn't care so much about her appearance. She wore a style that she was comfortable with. Wore makeup the way she liked and straightened her hair the way she wanted. She made it okay to wear what she wanted to. She made it okay to be yourself in whatever way you wanted to be. And she still does that today. That's all I have. Do you have anything to add? No, I don't have anything to add to this section. I have a few things later. Okay. So I will continue with the the impact. Um, Let Go seemed to confuse many when it was released. Rolling Stone called her a... Tiny Terror. Entertainment Weekly questioned whether or not she was the teen Bob Dylan. Eventually, everyone just settled on the anti-Britney. Yeah, I saw the the Ontario's Tiny Terror, and I was I saw that cat. I I saw that. I was like, yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah, Let Go has been certified seven times platinum in the U.S. alone, selling 4.1 million copies within the first six months, and was later certified diamond in Canada. It became the third best-selling album in 2002, only after The Eminem Show and Nellyville. It became the best-selling album of the 21st century by a Canadian artist and was 2002's best-selling album by a female artist. So it did the damn thing. Well, on that, other than Nickelback, who else has really come out of Canada in the 21st century? I mean, Rush was before that, so most of their... Like solid albums would have been seventies and eighties. When 80s. did Drake come out? Oh yeah, that's late Canada. late two thousands. Two thousand tens. 
I forgot. Okay, so there's one. Or, no. But I'm you know sure what I mean. There are others. You, that you know don't. what I mean. Though most of mm-hmm. most of the artists that you're thinking of are either UK or thereabouts or the states. Well, there you go. Prove Evan wrong and let me know at Instagram at Worst on Mars or Twitter at Worst on Mars or send us an email at Worst on Mars at gmail.com and tell Evan where he's wrong. Let Go gained five Grammy nominations and won the Moon Man Award for Best New Artist at the MTV Video Music Awards. It peaked on the Billboard 200 at number two with Complicated reaching number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Once Avril and her team, nicknamed The Matrix, figured out what worked, they used this formula again and again, creating hits for other stars like Hilary Duff and Liz Fair. Eventually, Ashley Simpson and Lindsay Lohan would use the same formula when they entered the music scene. Do, do you remember Lindsay Lohan and Ashley Simpson did music? Uh, I Saturday Night Live? Yep. And I, I think I vaguely knew Lindsay Lohan had. Yeah. Kind of like Paris Hilton. It's like, oh yeah, they had... They had a thing, yeah. Going further, this formula can be heard outside of female artists. Bands like Yellow Card, Simple Plan, and even Good Charlotte have used the Avril formula. We can still hear Avril's influence today in big artists like Billie Eilish, Willow, and Olivia Rodrigo. Pop punk never really went away, and with the help of social media apps like TikTok, the genre has gained notice again. So she's... She did all of this stuff, and it was, it's like, um, pop punk, so it's, it's harder pop, you know, it's mainstream punk. Yeah. And, like, Green Day did it, and that's great. She was a female artist that did it, and she did it her own way, but it was, um, her lyrics are, are deeper, and she, she co-wrote a lot of them. And, um, you know, just, just to be that young and to be doing that and to be talking about the things she's talking about, it's, it's really interesting. Many of her songs still resonate today, not just for a teenage girl, but for many that don't understand why things are so complicated. People eh, complicated. Dick. People today are still so angsty and her music still gives something for people to relate to. Let Go still remains in the top 20 best-selling albums of the 21st century. Fun fact for you. Well, let me get the single. There were only two singles released, Complicated and Skater Boy. Okay. And my last note is a fun fact. The story that Avril tells in Skater Boy is being made into a movie. Great. <laughs> um, well, on the list of other things, I did find uh, com- Canadian musicians while we're at a stopping point. Oh, Arca- you're trying to, to get out from the backlash that our, our yep. four listeners are yep. going to come at you with? Yep. Uh, so we know Drake. Uh, Arcade Fire. Really? I thought they were from Ohio. Oh, wait, no, that's Arctic Monkeys. Wow. Um, I am ashamed that I forgot about this one, and I'm glad that I forgot about this one. Bieber. <gasps> the Biebs? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I had forgotten about that. Um and then a bunch of the ones that are older. So, um you want me you're, you have things to add, don't you? Um so you talked about the review the Ontario's Tiny Terror. Yeah. I did see another thing in the um Rolling Stone review. Uh but none of it would matter if Levine didn't have a voice equal parts baby girl and husky siren that seems capable of setting off car alarms several city blocks away. <laughs> have you watched those husky videos on on tic- well you don't have TikTok but I love watching the husky video where it's just the husky and the attitude whining and I want one so bad. And the one that doesn't want a bath. Yeah. That's really about the only one I know. So that's all I had Nothing right else. now. Nothing right else. now. So do you want me to go ahead and get uh, list my resources? No. If if you if you're done, then I have a couple things. No, to I'm add. done. Okay. So Weird Al did a parody of Complicated on a put on yeah Poodle Hat, which came out in May of 2003. Okay. Called a Complicated Song. I don't know if you've heard it. I don't think so. So it's structured in 
I think it's three different stories that he tells. And this is this is the description of the song that I found. And I'll make you listen to it when we're done with this. The first story, the singer laments that he is constipated. Then in the second, he discovers that he and his girlfriend are related. And in the third, he expresses regret that he was that he recently was decapitated. <laughs> okay. And I listened to that song because I there's a couple others. It's like um, American Pie. It's I can hear it, but I can't. Whenever I hear it, I hear the Weird Al at the same time. And that's another one I've listened to it. I was like, I remember how this story goes, how Weird Al is telling the story. A um, couple other things. So her tour for this album was the Try to Shut Me Up tour. It was January to June of 2003. Mm-hmm. The last date of that tour was actually June 4th, 2003. Oh, really? Which was one year after. Uh, she played the entire album. Uh, I Don't Give, which was a B-side, which was included mm-hmm. on the, the 20th anniversary. Yeah. And two covers. And I've heard one of them, and I don't like it. What is it? Basket Case. Okay. And Knocking on Heaven's Door. Huh. And it just seems very odd that you mentioned Green Day and Bob Dylan. Yeah. In that. Um, I, have a, I have a story that I want to get into. And I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read... 95% of it. <laughs> All right. So, you want me to get actual sources. But based on this information, I am going to use Wikipedia as a source. And you can say that's not credible, but you will allow it once I tell you the story. Okay. So, there's a theory going around. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. The theory alleges that the pressures of fame combined with the death of her grandfather sent her into a deep depression after release after the release of her 2002 debut album Let Go and that the singer died by suicide shortly after. Uh-huh. Much of the evidence cited in support of the conspiracy theory is the purported appearance and disappearance of various moles and other skin blemishes in pictures of Levine over time as well as promotional as a promotional photo shoot in which she has the name Melissa written on her hand. It's Melissa somebody supposedly took her place. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay. In addition to the changes in her appearance, the theory alleges that the title and artwork for the second album, Under My Skin, as well as, as, well as the lyrics of songs like My Happy Ending, Together, and The Best Years of Our Lives, are subliminal messaging. The original blog further suggests that Melissa, who took over, feels guilt over participating in this farce leading to the subliminal messaging. People got too much time on their hands. Okay, well, she's been asked about it. Yeah. Uh, She was first asked in 2014 during an interview for a Brazilian TV show during the Avril Lavigne tour. Mm Mm-hmm. She was asked if she had heard about online rumors claiming that she had died and was replaced by a clone, to which she replied by saying that the first t- that the first time she was hearing about it was in this interview, and later added, well, I'm here and I'm in Brazil. Because this whole thing started on a Brazilian post. After the theory resurfaced globally in 2017, Levine addressed the rumors in a November 2017 Facebook livestream Q&A when a fan asked whether she was dead, to which she replied, No, I'm not dead. I'm here. She went on to say that the theory was spawned because people are just bored and need something to talk about. Uh-huh. The question was broached again in a November 2018 interview with an Australian radio station. When asked about the theory, the singer responded, Some people think that I'm not the real me, which is so weird. Like, why would they, ever, why would they even think that? Radio hosts said that Levine never actually flat out denied that she had been replaced and suggested that technological difficulties during the interview were a suspicious coincidence. Uh-huh. Uh, in 2019, she addressed the theory directly, calling it a dumb internet rumor and saying that she was flabbergasted that people bought into it. Addressed the rumor again in a 2022 interview for Galore magazine, stating... So it's funny because everyone says I look the same, but then there's that. 
that doesn't make any sense. Also, how random. When people bring it up, and it's been brought up to me for like years, that there's this conspiracy theory that I'm not me or something. I'm a clone. How did something like that get so... I don't know. It's just the weirdest rumor. The creator of the same Brazilian blog that originated the conspiracy had apologized and changed the whole blog post to state that Avril has never died and that the blog was a way of showing how conspiracy theories may seem true. Mm-hmm. So it's every couple of years it's like, hey, are you you? <laughs> are you you? Because <laughs> I've heard that theory before. And yeah. I, want, I couldn't remember when she supposedly died. And I think there's another one. Uh, I know we brought her up briefly that Lindsay Lohan had a twin in the parent trap and that the less successful twin was killed off by Disney. Listen, people need to get a, a life. That's that's my consensus here. They need to get a life. So, I just thought that I wanted to bring that up. Because it's weird. So, you want me to think my sources? Yeah. Well, no. Okay. So, I found that about the voice was from the Rolling Stone review by Pat Blashill? Blashill? I don't know, you mispronounce names all the time, so I figure <laughs> I get a crack at it. On July 2nd, 2002. Okay. Now no? you can go. Okay. Thank you to Let Go, Avril Lavigne by Jameson Cox, published December 20, no, December 16th, 2018 on Pitchfork.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne's Let Go is an angst classic 20 years later by Jeffrey Davies, published June, June 10th, 2022 on PopMatters.com. Thank you to Let Go Turns 20 by James Reddig, published June 2nd, 2022 on Stereogum.com. Thank you to The Genius, Genius of Let Go by Avril Lavigne by Rosie Solomon, published October 5th, 2022 on Guitar.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne's iconic debut album celebrated with the release of Let Go 20th Anniversary Edition, No Author, on June 3rd, 2022 on LegacyRecordings.com. Thank you to How Avril Lavigne's Let Go Broke the Mold for 2000's Teens by Leah Mandel, uh, No Date, uh, on Nylon.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne, Avril Lavigne's Let Go is Turning 20, What Do Teens Make of It Today by Izzy Copestake, uh, published June 8th, 2022 on Vice.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne, Let Go by Alex Clifton, June 3rd, 2022 on InReviewOnline.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne, Never Let Go of Pop Punk by Samantha Leach, published May 12th, 2022 on Bustle.com. Thank you to Just Hear Me Out. And when I did that, I was like, I got to do the hand that Evan always does. He, Evan, every time he's like, just when he's trying, trying to make a point, he'll look at me and he goes, just hear me out. And he puts his hand out like a big old stop sign. Just get me to shut up. Just no, if I want to make a point, I'll just get the knife out of the kitchen. Jesus Christ. Just hear me out. Avril Lavigne's Let Go was one of the most iconic albums of the 2000s by Dahlia Pritchard on December 17th, 2020 on punky.com.au. Thank you, too. I've always had this vibe. Avril Lavigne on 20 Years Since Let Go by Dan- Daniela Tiarina, published February 24th, 2022 on vanityfair.com. Thank you to Why Avril Lavigne's Let Go Album Still Matters 15 Years Later by Deepa Lashkman, uh, published June 26, 2017 on MTV.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne Had to Fight to Make Her Debut Album Let Go the Way She Wanted by Chris Malone Mendez, published April 15, 2022 on CheatSheet.com. Thank you to Avril Lavigne I Moved Out of My Parents' House and Straight Into a Tour Bus with No Rules by Sarah Manavis, published May 31, 2022 on Thank you to the story behind Avril Lavigne's debut album, Let Go, on its 20th anniversary by Virgin Radio on June 1st, 2022 at virginradio.com. And thank you to What Avril Lavigne Has Always Understood About Growing Up by Shirley Lee, published June 4th, 2022 on theatlantic.com. So, uh, Evan, um, before you get into your reviews, um, we, we always, well, most of the time, so none of the time. No, most of the time. We, because we have a subscription to Apple Music, so it's really easy just to find the album and play it, and you can send me, like, specific albums or put together a playlist of whatever we're doing for the month or a couple weeks ahead of time, so it's all right there. Um, we could not find original Let Go as it was released on Apple Music because it was 
the 20th anniversary edition. It's on there. Is it on there? Yeah, it's on there. It's uh, I it's, went to her page and I couldn't It's under it. other versions. Other versions. Okay, well, I didn't look that hard, apparently. But, so, you had put up the 20th anniversary edition. Yes. And I had told you just to stop at the last track of what I, I knew Naked, number 13, was the last track. And I said, don't listen to anything else. Because it, it wasn't on... When we do these, we want the original release. I I would have made an exception for I Don't Give, because that was on the tour. Yeah. But I did not listen to but that. She, yeah, she included a bunch of different songs. And Breakaway was... Um, she wrote that, but Kelly Clarkson was the one that, that used it. And it was one of her biggest... Uh, it was on the same album as Since You've Been Gone. But that was a big, big hit for her, but that's thanks to Avril. I will listen to the 20th anniversary bonus tracks at another time, because I will... The way I collect music is I collect deluxe. So I will have heard it at some point and maybe yeah. reassess. Okay, so go ahead and give us your review. Okay. Where'd it go? So, right off the bat, I turn it on... And I immediately think of a better CD <laughs> because the intro, I was hearing Stan and I was hearing the chorus and I'm like, as much as I didn't like that album either, I'd much rather be listening to this one right now. Are you sexist? Is it because she's a girl? No, because Dido's a girl and she was doing the Stan part. That's the part I was hearing. I'm like, where? Because I had to stop. I'm like... What is this? Why have I heard this recently? And I was getting frustrated. And then I went down a rabbit hole and I'm like, oh, okay, that's where this is from. Mm -hmm. And there's another rabbit hole I need to go down from um, anything but ordinary. There's a part of that where I'm like, where have I heard this before? Because I kind of did a dive. I couldn't find anything about it being released or in like commercials or anything. But I'm like, I know this section. Mm -hmm. Where have I heard this before? And I couldn't find that one. No. And then I've heard the the complicated. I like the Weird Al version better, but it's still like I know that one. Um uh there was really only one song that I did not like. Like did not like. Okay. Do you have a guess? Skater Boy. No, but I'm not keeping that one. Um Mobile. Mobile. That was the one I didn't like. Yeah. I was like, no. Um, if I had to keep anything, it would be complicated. I'm with you in anything but ordinary. Hmm, that surprises me a bit. And, well, this, this, here's a, here's a interesting take for you. It reminds me of Pink. Mm-hmm. As I'm like, and I'm, if I'm getting that vibe from it, I'll just listen to Pink. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, it's, it's a little bit later, but I'll listen to Halsey. Mm-hmm. You know, there are, to an extent, to me, much better options out there. Pink was about this time, too. Uh, Misunderstood was 2002 Two. Two or three. Mm-hmm. So it's like, because it, it's the same time frame. Yeah. I'm like, it's... Pink was just older. Yeah, if I'm like, if I'm going to listen to this, it's the same, not the same, like, stories, the same experiences and all that, but, you know, it's not ness it's yeah i I want to word it as mature well do you know anything about pink's upbringing no misunderstood was uh heavy on the family and how her parents fought and i think i think they were divorced yeah or uh, early on yeah avril's family was still together but you know what i mean a bored kid who likes skater boys but it's a more mature sounding yeah that then you look at the christina or the britney or or that yeah you know it's more it's like michelangelo just because i'm a teenager doesn't mean i can't have adult conversations i think that's from the the terrible michael bay live action one cgi whatever point is it's it's all right. I mean, so I, you didn't hate it as much as you thought you would going into it. From what I understand, I do like her later stuff. I would well, I would much rather face, remember last week 
your face told a different story. Does your face say the same story this time around? Yeah, it's complicated. Oh, for fuck's sake. Just give me the rating so I can I can stop. Uh, I, as we're sitting here, I, I bumped my rating up slightly to like a, between a B and a B minus. It was originally between a B minus and a C plus. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? It's not as bad as other things you've made me listen to. Rush. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you can you appreciate why Avril was so popular. I mean, I know you were never a teenage girl and you were what, 13 at this time? Yeah, it would have been. It it would have been in my age range, but it wouldn't have been anything that I could relate to. Right. But can you can you kind of appreciate Oops, sorry. Appreciate Yeah, I I can understand and all and like all that. I can just say it's there's nothing to me that really speaks to me. Well, because you're a white male, you don't need to do shit about shit. Everything handed to you. Because I had the big enough hands oh, to for f- Nope, nope, we're done. We're done. Are you Are you seriously done? Uh, yeah. I mean... Y- you liked it better than I thought. I thought you were going to give it like a D. No, I don't... I don't hate it. It's complicated and Skater Boy were, to me... It's it's a different set of circumstances, but it's the same problem as Stairway. You know, it was... It's overplayed. Exactly. It was... I, I couldn't go anywhere in, like, a two-year period without hearing either of them, and it's just kind of... You just kind of get burnt out on it. Complicated and Skater Boy work well now for the nostalgia, but, like, if you're out with a... Let's say, like, you're out at a bachelorette party with all your girlfriends at a karaoke... They would be fun songs to sing with yeah. your friends, you know. So they're they're still going to be they're always going to be popular because they're fun, they're catchy. They're but, just yeah, it's yeah. just you listen to. There's some other things that it's like, come on, just go to something different. I know, I know it's the flavor of the week, but just can that's this week song. can this week end? Do you know that's the song flavor of the week? Your flavor of the week is spite. <laughs> and despite you we're going to be listening to that when this is over so okay you done Legitimately. yeah i guess so uh critics at the time claimed that let go wasn't as angry and angsty as it claimed to be and as a teenager at the time i begged to differ while i was towards the end of my teenager years teenager years teenage years hello <laughs> the song still resonated with me as a person trying to fit in somewhere while trying to be true to herself. When this album came out, I had just finished my first year of college and I was struggling. I was a girl who had a lot of friends yet still felt like she didn't belong anywhere. I didn't look like the girls on TV. I was heavier than most girls in my classes and I didn't think I was very pretty. All of that typical self-esteem stuff, etc., etc. I was that fat friend, but I was also the funny one, so people kept me around. This album also came out at a time when the relationship I was in was failing. We had really drifted apart during that first year of college, like so many people do, despite us going to the same school. I felt alone and broken, and then along came Avril. She was exactly what I needed, and the words to her songs were the perfect way to explain how I was feeling. I may not have realized it at the time, but she helped me heal and gave me the strength to end that relationship and move on. Um, so I'm keeping everything but Skater Boy. I, yeah, I've I've outgrown it. Yeah, I I've listened to it. And I'm like, okay, I, I I know how it goes and all that, and it's just like, why? Why am I? What has possessed me? Yeah, it's like I'm in Beetlejuice. Like I want to stop, but yeah. I can't. So my my special favorites are Losing Grip, I'm With You, Unwanted, Tomorrow, Anything But Ordinary, Things I'll Never Say, Too Much to Ask, and Naked. Um, I think even though she's young, there's a lot of vulnerability in her lyrics and, um, it's something to relate to. I felt seen with it. Um, and I gave it an A. So your final thoughts, do you remember a final thought is a summation of your overall review, closing it out. And How was that a close? And it was a 
circle, closing at end paragraph. No. We're no. We're going to go with dead air. Evan. I don't have a beginning thought, let alone an end thought. An thought. You make me want to drink heavily. So no. Should I just No, go? just go. So it's been a long time since I've listened to this album as a whole. Every once in a while, I'll hear Complicated on the radio, but that's been it. I forgot how amazing it was and how it still pulls at my emotions today. I still loved it. I've grown past the Skater Boy part of it, but many of those songs are still so good and still so relevant. That's it. That's it. That's that's all your thoughts that you have? Let go of the album episode. Move on to recommendations. Do you have any recommendations? Later stuff. Her later there, stuff. There's um, I haven't listened to it recently, but there's a self-titled where she looks like a raccoon. Okay. Do you know which one I'm talking about? No. Where she's got like the the. Okay, you telling me what a raccoon looks like? He was he was making the whiskers motion on his. No, face. the eyeliner. But you're at your cheeks. You're not at your eyes. Okay, her eyeliner is heavy. Yes, it's like bottom eyeliner. It's like Derek Carr. The Raiders. Okay, so going back, I told you no, I didn't know about it, and then you kept describing it like I would magically be like, "Oh yeah, that one." Well, no, and her her eye makeup is always like that, Evan. I'm just saying. Um, and the other one I know is head underwater. I know specific songs. Uh, getting looking it up right now. Like I head like, above water. Head above water. I like uh, girlfriend. Uh, yeah, I know that one. That one's catchy. I like a baseball glove. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, d- damn it! I'm gonna take your mic away. So your recommendations are his are her later stuff. Yeah. Okay, my recommendations. Um, see an old movie. That's my recommendations. We What's your definition of old? Older movie, not current. Older than five years. Okay. Because, like, this past weekend, we had one of my nieces over, and they're right on that cusp where, like, they, they're interested in some of the spookier things, but you still have to be careful that it's not too scary for them. So, like... In the past, we've shown them, like, Beetlejuice, and we watched Ghostbusters, and we watched Gremlins once. Um, we watched uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. They that, liked that's a that's a good collection of, or collection of stories. Well, they, and, and they, they liked it. It was just the right amount of spook. And uh, we introduced the one to Sixth Sense, and I forgot how great that movie is. And, and I know... The plot twist at the end. It was interesting to watch it because it's been a long time I've watched. I've seen since I've seen it, but it was interesting to watch it consciously, looking for signs throughout the entire time. That's a different one of his movies. God damn it! I knew as soon as that word came out of my mouth, you were gonna say it. But looking for anything that would give it away, and it's there, but it's hidden very well, and it was just good. But and that movie came out in 99. So it's older. It, but it was good. And I just recommend re-watching some old movies. Can I recommend a movie? Sure. Amazon Women on the Moon. Oh, god damn it. You always recommend that movie. That's uh, it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting movie. Hey, you know who's in it? Um, A lot of people. A lot of actors. A lot of actors. Yeah. And that actually says it on the front, doesn't it? Mm, I think it's on the back, but yeah. Yeah, it was somewhere on the cover. Yep. All right. You want to get us into this day in history? So this is the first long episode in November, so November 4th. November 4th, 1966. The Beach Boys' Good Vibrations entered the UK chart and went on to be a UK and US number one hit single. As a child, Brian Wilson's mother told him that dogs could pick up vibrations from people so that the dog would bark at bad vibrations. Wilson turned this into the general idea for the song. Really? 1967. 
Pink Floyd made their U.S. live debut when they appeared at the Winterland Auditorium in San Francisco. Floyd shared the bill with local group Big Brother and The Holding Company, featuring singer Janis Joplin and singer-songwriter Richie Havens. I don't know the last name. Uh, I, I've heard of him, but I can't think of why. I know Joplin. Yeah. But I don't know the other one. Uh, 1970. David Bowie released his third studio album, The Man Who Sold the World. Isn't that a Nirvana cover? Or which one is that? I don't know. I think it's The Man Who Sold the World. The first with the nucleus of what would become the Spiders from Mars backing band. Okay. 1972. Johnny Nash started a three-week three run at number one on the U.S. singles chart with... I can see clearly now. Because you cleaned your glasses? Yes. His and also the rain is gone? His only U.S. chart topper. It hit number five in the U.K. 1984. Prince played the first of seven nights at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit at the start of his 87-date North American Purple Rain Tour. The outing marked the live debut of his new band, The Revolution. I think Purple Rain's on this album list too and i know it i know it's on our record wall Mm -hmm. 1989 elton john scored his 50th uk chart hit with what what year 89 i don't know the song oh then i won't know this song sacrifice no i don't know that song only cliff richard and elvis have also achieved this feat sacrifice was originally Sacrifice was initially released as a single in 1989, but stalled at number 55 in the UK and at number 18 in the US. Steve Wright, an English DJ, began playing the song on BBC Radio 1, and the song was then re-released as a double A-side single along with Healing Hands. Hmm. 1997. Shania Twain released her third studio album, Come On Over, which became the best-selling country music album by a female act. Mm-hmm. I think that's on this list, too. It is. To date, the album has sold more than 40 million copies worldwide, shipped over 20 million copies in the United States, and in the UK it has sold over 3.3 million. Out of the album's 16 tracks, how many were released as singles? Eight. Twelve. Twelve. Really? Apparently. That'll be an interesting discussion when we get to that album and i've got this is the last one and then we'll get into some birthdays 2013 who joined the beatles and elvis as one of just three acts to top the uk singles chart seven times over seven years the way that that's worded is i'm guessing it the way it's supposed to be seven number ones in a span of seven years Mm mm-hmm Okay, so there's three acts. The Beatles, Elvis, and who? Not the who. No. Just. Who is it? Who, wait, who, who's already done it? Beatles, Beatles and Elvis. Michael Jackson. No, this person is still alive. Uh, Adele. No, this person was in a terrible board game movie. Tim Curry. No. <laughs> Although he did have a music career. <laughs> Terrible board game movie. Battleship. Oh, Rihanna. Yeah. I saw, I was like, I forgot about that movie. Uh, I'm going to watch Clue now. <laughs> <laughs> the singer made the number one spot as the featured artist on Eminem's new track, The Monster. And I don't, I don't agree with that. Because there's a, I, I have to dig and somebody's gonna correct me and it's probably gonna be me next week when i go back and edit this i think i saw that nikki (sighs) nikki minaj has the most number one or the most charted songs of all time but it's because she's a featured artist on so many songs that hit and i don't agree with that like if you're this if you're the lead artist it's like um, Mark Ronson's getting all the credit for Uptown Funk. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it's 
It, you think that it's a Bruno Mars song, but it's like, nope, Mark Ronson's going to get the credit. All right, look, so if Nicki Minaj comes banging on our door, I will sacrifice you so quickly. I am afraid of that tiny little human being. I will run. I will I will go get you for her, and I will throw you under the bus so hard. I mean, we've already gone over that last week with what I thought about the Elvis hit number one again. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a very opinionated person. That you are... And I will jump ship so fast. <laughs> Great. Here's to another 10 years. You are on your own. I will not stand by my man. Okay. I have a few birthdays because I don't really recognize anybody off of this list. All right. Delbert McClinton, U.S. singer-songwriter, 1980 U.S. number eight single, Giving It Up For Your Love. Worked with Bruce Channel, wrote two more bottles of wine, country number one for Emmy Lou Harris. 41. 40. American singer Sherry Payne, best known as the final lead singer of the Supremes from 73 until 77. 45. 44. <gasps> Damn it! Mike Smith from Welsh rock group Almond Corner. I think that. I don't know. I haven't heard of him, so I, I probably butchered it. But, I mean, I butchered worse. Like the cow or the pig, Amy Swinehouse. <laughs> who had the 1969 UK number one single, If Paradise is Half as Nice, plus five other UK top 40 hits. 47. 47. <gasps> okay. James Honeyman Scott. With English American rock band The Pretenders, who had the U- 1980 UK number one single with Brass in Pocket. He died on the 16th of June, 1982, of heart failure caused by cocaine intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> um, 57. 57. Ooh, that's two. So here's one you'll know. I will give you the official name. Sean Combs. Puff Daddy. P. Diddy. Okay. Puff Lion. What was the name? He had a lion in it once. Now it's just Puffy. No, I think that was Snoop Dogg. Piffy. Piffy. Puffy. Poofy. Poofy. Poopy. <laughs> um, 76. 69. Really? Louise Redknapp from British R&B girl group Eternal. Who had the 97 UK number one single, I Want to Be the Only One, and the 93 UK number two album, Always and Forever. They achieved 15 UK top 20 hits between 93 and 99. She had the 96 solo UK number five single, Naked. 74. 74. <gasps> That's three. Carvana. Singer. Cars? 1997 UK number eight single, I Can Make You Feel Good. Whoa. Um. 77. 77. Four! That's this many. <laughs> I've got four right, not three. I don't know. You have four. I'm keeping track. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even sure. Obviously. Who's. That was it? Yeah. Alright. Um. So thank you for listening if you made it this far. Our. One person in Canada or one person in New Zealand and hey, my dad. Hey, do you think the person in Canada knows April? That is not how any of that works. And I hope she sends you a message calling you a dumb fucker. She's about the same age. She's Not all people from Canada know each other, Evan. I just, You're a dummy. Well, if she was in a small town. If she was just a small town girl. Is she from Napanee? I don't know. That's where April's from. I don't she know, but I know she was living song. in a lonely world. And we're done here. So thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Worst on Mars. Send us an email at Worst on Mars at gmail.com. Leave us a review. Like I said, I'll read it. Give us a rating. Um, if it's on Spotify, email us the rating and I'll, I'll read or the review and I'll read it. Um, stop by. Say hi. Give us a suggestion for reviews day so I don't get tortured solely by Evan's shit. Um, I don't know what you're referring to. Whatever. 
Come back next week when we're double dipping into Metallica and we're going to do And Justice for All. Okay, bye! You can be multiple things at once and yet you chose to be an asshole. No, because you were going to take my wife away from me. So, I can't do anything anymore. Alright, podcast over. Forever and ever. Peace out. There was a guy who was married to a woman named Lorraine, but he was having an affair with a woman named Clearly. And then Lorraine passed away in a car accident. And he shouted, I can see Clearly now. Lorraine is gone. No! God damn it, you are awful. Come back next week where we're double dipping in Metallica and we're going to do an, 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 nope, I'm fucking this up. Starting over. Tippy tap, motherfucker.